0: Bye. 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 Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Beauty School Bobby podcast brought to you by Tennessee School of Beauty. Today, we are on the phone with Sheila Wilson from Memphis, Tennessee. We are so, so, so excited to talk to you. I have so many questions for you. And if you guys don't know who Sheila is, you're about to meet one of the most incredible women in the industry. And the second that I met her, I really connected. I felt motivated about having this strong female presence. She's sweet, she's tough. So, we're so excited to introduce you. So, I want to hear, Sheila, about how you started in the industry. So where did you
1: go to beauty school? Uh, I went to school in Memphis at a school that was a Comer Duran school, which morphed into Pivot Point. And oh, okay. so, yeah, I was very, very fortunate to have a lot of doors open for me at a very young age. And um, I got to meet Leo Passage and every weekend I would... That I had available, I would fly up to Chicago and take classes from different people. So I got to meet Dwight Miller, Robert Mark, uh, Paul Mitchell. I mean, all of the people, Van Bray, all of the people that were up there teaching. I got to meet them on the weekends because I would be able to take a class, just one class for Sunday and Monday, and then I'd come back and I would, you know, go to school. And um, I got to, I started that in my schooling my my beauty school but then afterwards uh, when i got out i also worked for someone who was an educator and i was mentored by him and uh, his name was don Carr, and he was um associated with the comer Duran schools and was an educator for them before he opened his own school here and uh, his wife was Uh, very very influential into a lot of educational materials and in Europe and in uh, New York so it was uh, the opportunity was uh, something that most people didn't have so I'm very very fortunate to um, be in the right place at the right time with the right person because and I think that's what made me always think that I have to open the doors for other people because I ha- I was so fortunate to have that done for me. That and That's one of my greatest thrills is to have people work with me or I work with them or I meet them and they'll say, hey, you know, I really would like to know, you know, so and so. And if I know them, I'm going to say, okay, give me your name and number and I'll make sure y'all get to meet. I love that because yeah. it, it, it pays it forward. It also, you never know what doors that that person's going to open for that person and someday um, it could be huge. I just heard something the other day. It was so amazing and it goes right along with this. Um, There was two guys that went to a a revival and they went in, these young guys, and uh, they couldn't find any seats and they started to go out. And the usher said, hold on a minute. So he got some people to move around and seated these two guys down. One of them was Billy Graham. Wow. And so, had it not been for that usher opening that door of giving them the seat and going that one step, he didn't know who they were. He didn't know why they were there. He didn't know anything. He just opened that d- door and said, here, sit down, and I'm going to find you to, seat to get uh, seats together. And he did that. He made that happen. And then, look, it was it's like a ripple effect. So, I feel like that that's Who we are in life. We open the doors for each other. And then you look back and you're going, hey, I knew that person. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> when they didn't even know where they were. Well, so I think
0: that's the really beautiful thing about you. And I think that like we're going to get into what you're doing now in the industry and what you've accomplished and just this huge position that you're you're in at this point. But um, I think that that's a really amazing thing about you is that you're willing to help others. And instead of being like, oh, that's my competition, you know, I can't help them. I can't help people because that's my competition. I mean, I think you've learned the benefit of, you know, teaching others and helping others Others and you described it perfectly in a way that you never know when that's going to come back around or who's going to open a door for you. So I really love that, you know, through your experiences early in the industry, um, it kind of shaped you into,
1: into so much of who you are today. Well, I love the industry. I think that, first of all, you've got to love it before you get the passion for it. I think passion is something that's developed as you go into whatever industry you are you become aware of how important it is and all of the opportunities are there and then you want to be better because you look at everybody else and you're going I can be as good as they are if I practice or I can be uh in that position if I only do this and serve my time over here and learn how to do that there is Uh, stepping stones in life to go wherever you want to go and if you want to be an owner of a company then you better work with somebody that's an owner and get become close and get that uh, mentorship it's just it's so important because otherwise you make too many mistakes I would rather learn from somebody's uh, else's mistakes so I don't have to make quite as many
0: yeah exactly And there's so many resources and so many people that are willing to help which like I said now you get to be you know so much a part of so you've actually been a salon owner for how many years now um, 38 years. Yeah. So you've been around a lot of people. You've learned a lot. Yes. You've had multiple salons as well, correct? Like it hasn't just been in yes. Memphis. You had a salon um in LA. Is that right?
1: We did. We had, um, when my uh, first husband and I had uh, he was a barber, and we opened uh, five salons. We had four in Memphis and one in California because we were looking to franchise. And we met a guy, Ben Cordova, that was a great cutter. And I met Frank Gambuza, he was a great cutter. We all were going to these classes and stuff. And Ben had a salon in uh, LA, and we were looking to develop uh, a multiple educational services within our, well, educational. Um, opportunities for our team as well as other people to come into Memphis and we really wanted him to move to Memphis and he said I can't give up my salon so we made a deal that we would buy his salon and then we would all take one week out of every month and go out there so I was out there a week uh, then Max' husband would be out there a week and then Ben would go back out there a week and we had a manager out there so we had somebody overseeing and it taught us how to work a far way and of Uh, LA was as far away from Memphis as we could get at that (laughs) time so and we 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 had other people to help us and through that we met a lot of people out there that were great cutters in California because it was either California or New York that you felt like everybody were the stars right Mm -hmm. and um, so and then with him coming to Memphis he he also helped us because he had such a great teaching technique. We did videos, we did all of the stuff that we were supposed to do way before, you know, we had iPhones. And, um, and then we started doing what they call the the circuit, where we would go to all these shows. And and because we had multiple salons and we had always a team with us, then we got to meet other people that had teams. And then I I worked with Redkin for a little bit as an uh, educator, and we were RDDs, and from that, doing a show, I met Bob Oppenheim, who was the president of Clairol for a long time, and he, at that time, it was uh, a cancer scare for hair color coming out. It was like in the late 80s, and so he was going to get a representative from every company to uh, bring to New York, and then we were going to talk about how would we market hair color and what do we say to our consumers? And how do we dialogue with that? So I, I not that I represented Redken, but only because I used Redkin products at that time. And he wanted all of this presidential council to have experience in other color lines, not just Clarol. Uh, or not, he didn't care if they used Clarol, which I didn't at that time. So uh, that was a huge opportunity. So I met, 12 incredible people that were from all over the country. And we traveled in teams of three. Uh, and we did um, talk shows and things like that about getting into the industry and how important it was, and, and how hair color was coming to surface. And that, you know, you didn't have to just do color one way, you could do dimensional color. And, and we really were the ambassadors for the color companies. Um, in the well the color industry and um, from that we enjoyed it so much and we all got to know each other so well that we started there were four of us that started what we called the international hair color exchange so we literally did hair color education generic no no brand based and we went around the country and we did those um, we met tons and tons and tons of people and uh, it's so funny because one of the uh, people that I can just name you names of people that we met through there that had just gotten into the business and started doing hair color. One was Joe Blackwell and uh, David Stenko, um, Thea uh, Spearing, who worked f- uh, for Matrix for a long time after that, and um, Gina Khan. Um, you know, just on and on and on all these people and, and even today being the president of intercourse i'll look at him i'm going i know you and they're going yeah we used to come to the hair color exchange oh gosh,
0: so, so we awesome. were all babies in
1: there so i did that for 20 years as well as having a salon i had uh when i got a divorce we dissolved all of our salons i opened one then i opened two and then i dissolved the second one because i had the hair color exchange and was traveling so much that and i was a single mother so i um i thought i can't do this i have to i have to just have one salon if i'm going to do this educational you know circuit and um, so from that i met so many intercorpheur people that then i became a member of intercorpheur and then i was the atelier chair which meant i just designed all of i worked with the president and designed all of the educational events that they had those two times a year and then you know, got on the board and then boom, next thing I know, I'm the president. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you make
0: it sound like there was like no time at all that this happened, that it was just like, oh, I used to do this. And, you know, now I'm the president. But this is a really big honor and it's a really big deal um, that you are um, a female president. Um, Even though this industry is, you know, mostly um, women, majority women, um, it seems like at the top there's been, you know, a lot of um, men still that are, you know, kind of in control. And I just think that, you know, you bring something. that is so different um, to Fjord, and I'm just really excited to to see and talk about everything you're doing. So I want to go back for people that don't know what Fjord is. Um, what is Intercorfior, and who um, who's a good candidate to become a part of this organization?
1: Intercorfior is the only organization for salon owners, and we do two educational events a year, one in the spring and one in the fall. But not only are we an organization for salon owners we're also global uh our main <clears throat> i call it the mothership but it started in europe in paris and it was with all these great people that if you go back in time and you look at all these people and they did the the queens here and the you know the rich and famous and all of that alexandra um, you know of paris i mean all of these people got together Uh, from other countries once a year they were men they were men because those are the ones that had all of the prestige of um, presenting to the queens and you know they and you're right it was a man's world that most of the women did the work so but they had that um flair that you know they just walked into the room and they became um part of that queen or that uh, movie star or that president's um, entourage. And so they decided that they would all get together once a year in, in Paris and they would meet and they would just talk about the industry and how, you know, all the education in and, and everything. And it just started growing. And next thing you know, they had sections and different parts. They would invite somebody maybe from America or somebody from England or for somebody from uh, Japan that they would hear about. These are not the people that do the queens anymore, but these are the people that are really talented, and they would hear about them, and they wanted to learn how they were doing the newer uh, sort of relevant things um, in hair and makeup. So they would invite them in, and that's how that fraternity um, camaraderie started. And then as it grew, each country would have a section. And then, like, this is America Canada, the section. I'm the president of inter. Corfu America, Canada, that's our section. And we have our own board. We have members that come in to join, and then they have access to a lot of the opportunity to meet other people from around the world that are inter members. So, you know, because Europe is so strong in mentorship, so strong in uh, developing talent, uh, even if they go on the street and they see somebody's got an, just a, a potential, they would bring them in and mentor them for five years, rather than them going to a school and then they would be their protege. So it was a whole different culture and it was very exclusive. And um, so, you know, America grew, cause then we had all these like Paul Mitchell, we had um, Leo Passage and we had all these people that were developing over here that Europe wanted to be have a part of them and um, so they wanted to know what they were doing over here and why we were growing and why we were so cool and and we did these great looks and then of course Radell soon came over and started doing classes and, and expanding his empire to America, Canada and we just embraced it so now we're international right and then everybody started bringing everybody together and at one time, it wasn't uh, there wasn't very many women uh, of owners of salons that were invited in. There were very few. Now, because women are so strong, they're very business oriented. They have uh, probably a better eye for balance and design. And they also are natural born mentors, right? Mm-hmm. More so. And so all of a sudden, these women, these strong, wonderful women that have always been there have just been, you know, introduced to InterCorp Fiora. And we have a lot now. It's probably 50-50. And a lot of the, the men, it's a couple, you know, that are together because they've they've built such a strong team. But now we have as many single, uh, let me back up with single women, doesn't mean not married, it just means women that were the business part uh, that started the salon, and it wasn't a husband and wife team, but you know, it was their business, their husband might be a lawyer, their husband might be something else, but Uh, Or they were the daughter of somebody who had a salon and she took it to the next level. So now we're seeing these incredible women that are bringing so much to the table. And we don't see those barriers between male and female anymore. I mean, when somebody's doing a great haircut, they don't care who it is. They want to watch them. And that's changed significantly over, I think, the last 15 years.
0: Yeah. And I think that it, it's a lot accredited and you probably, you know, don't take it this way, but it is to people like you that have been positive and been um, supportive. I think that, um, you know, I think that the stigma about all of this and, and in the industry is that, you know, women are catty and women want to fight and all that stuff. But I think that you're such a good example of somebody that kind of rose above that and, you know, really helped people and, and look at where you are. So that is, is just what I love so much because I think that there's so much positivity that can come from that. And i I just really love you know seeing this change and seeing that it's different because I think that like you said it wasn't that long ago that it was very male-based and I think that um you know it's important for the people that are that are running the businesses that are smart whether they're male or female to be a part of organizations like this because it only you know helps each other so as a stylist or, uh, or a salon owner how does somebody go about um, becoming a member of an
1: well, they have to be, um, they have to apply. They can go online, look up uh, com. They need to apply. And then they have to have a portfolio. They need to be, have a, a nice market presence in their community. They have to have, a, educa- believe in education. It's sort of, um, we have to have the same core beliefs, you know, like, Do you believe in mentoring? Do you believe in helping uh, someone go to a a higher level? Do you believe in um, making the industry better? You know, how do you run your world? Is it positive or is it a negative if it's a negative we don't want you in our group because we're making this world more positive and and when you change your attitude you're welcome to join us but you know we don't want to fight with anybody because we've we've got the same goals and that's to improve the industry it's like you know us in putting somebody in a beauty school you know we we want to help the schools make better students you know we It has to work in synergy. So if I know somebody that would make a great hairdresser, I want to find the best school that I can to recommend for them to go to. And then I want to be able to be a part of that and stay in touch with them and not partner with the school, but just, you know, communicate with the school so that and I want the schools to be open to say, hey, don't teach them that that's not that's not a good way to teach that because they get the wrong attitude you know because there's things change and the cultures change so the school has a certain criteria that they have to follow but they can adjust it if they stay in tune with some really um, relevant salon owners that knows where the trends are so that then they can adjust and, and then it'd be positive and then we're going to be so excited about taking those students and then if those students are told, look, these are the salons you really want to go to work for. You want to be mentored. You're going to come out. You're going to know a lot, but you really need to refine it and hone your skills, and you need to be mentored. Then they're going to look for an your salon because that's what we believe in. And then if anybody that works for me ever wants to put a salon in, they better make sure that they're a darn good salon owner so that someday they can be an your member because it's only it's like um, the ultimate goal to um, work for I think you know I think we all have to have these goals right in our life and I think as a salon owner I want to be with the top salon owners so that I can learn from them I mean that's one of the greatest things that I enjoy right now is to sit down you know at a bar or uh, after an event and sit down and talk and listen to where they are Uh, so you have one salon and now you have five how did you do that? Or you've got five salon and now you're trying to downsize. How are you doing that? Because all of our lives change. And I just think it's so important. I can read about it. I can research it. But listen, nothing is as good as talking on that one-on-one and then saying, hey, if I do it, I'm doing this, can I call you? And to have somebody that you can call and ask for advice. I mean, that's that's an opportunity that you just can't even – Imagine if you had to pay for it.
0: Yeah, I think that that's the benefit of ICA. It seems like you know this this family unit um, to help each other and to you know really make sure that everyone's sharing their information because, like you said, like you've got to learn from each other um, and you've got to share the knowledge and the the mistakes you've made, the good, the bad. Like I think it's it's good to be real. So it just seems like having that support, um, having that family behind you, you know, to help you is such a benefit for salon owners. So um, as salon owners, you know, what do you think um, the biggest benefit of being an ICA member is
1: I think the camaraderie I think that's huge I think that's probably the most important and the reason that people reach out um, you know it used to that was a little bit um, more exclusive. And now we're more inclusive because there's people that, that run salons differently, mm-hmm. but they're so successful. And, um, you know, it used to be, well, I want, I want my salon to be like a New York salon and I'm in Memphis. Well, it won't work that way because I don't have a lot of walk-by traffic. Where in New York, everybody walks. And so you can, you can put a sign out. People are going to walk by. your. You might have thousands of people walk by. A day. Right. But in Memphis, we don't have, we have a driving. Right. And so, you know, the type of marketing they do there is not what I can do here. Right. Um, but in Kansas City or St. Louis, where you know, we're similar and they've got a great salon and they've done something a little bit differently, but they're still making as much money or bringing in as much money as somebody in New York. Then I'm going to go to them and I'm going to say, help me. You know, help me with my marketing. What can I do? Because obviously I wanted to have the marketing in New York. And they're going, oh. you know, the, the, one of the um, pieces of advice, um, I, I'll give you an example. I went to see Jerry Gordon, who was in Chicago. I had an opportunity to meet him. I wasn't an InterCorp at that time. He was. and But I had met him. And uh, he said, oh, if you ever need anything, just call me. And I thought, well, how, what a nice guy. So I had read where he was doing uh, double booking, meaning that he had two completely different staffs. Some came in at 6 and worked to 12. And then some, the next group came in at 12.30 and worked till 7 or 8. But he had them. And so he had this one salon. Instead of getting another salon, he started doing split shifts. And, but it was almost like, I think he was really open. I don't know the exact times now, but I know he was open to like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And he opened like at four or five in the morning. Wow. And, and so he, he was making an amazing amount of money. It was like having three salons, Wow. three P and L's off of one property. Can you imagine? That's like restaurants. They want to turn their seats so often. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, well, that's his concept. And it was brilliant. So I went up there. I was thinking, hey, I'm going to do this. This is this is great. I don't want to put another salon in. I want to do split shifts. So I sat down and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I've got all this advertising. do And he looked at me. He said, how many people in your city work night shifts? I said, I don't know. He said, and how many of those people, if you did know, are your demographics that would come to you? Because not everybody's going to come to you. Right. And I said, well, I don't know. Hey said, girl, you're not ready to do this because you haven't done your homework. <laughs> he just told you out just like that, huh? <laughs> he did. I mean, just within 15 minutes. And he said, first you've got to figure out, is there enough people that – Work that get off at 11 o'clock and then want to get their hair done before they go home because maybe they've got children to take care of the next morning or you know they've got school to go to because usually people who work late shifts are either the, the second income uh, factor to the family and or has to go home and take kids. They're, they've got that shift because their kids are asleep And they don't have anybody to keep them in the daytime. You know, so he started talking about all that. And I went, oh, I never even thought about that. So I came back to Memphis. I did all of my research. And I realized that if I got everybody in my area, they're not going to drive all the way across town to get their hair done at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be convenient, right? Right. Well, I had no hospitals around me. I had... I had a school area, so all the people would go home at five. They were there with their kids, and I was in a affluent area that didn't work, and I, wasn't, I was too far away from anybody that were working night shift that would probably come to me no matter how much advertising I did. Right. And then I've got to have a full staff ready in case they did come right? right so then i'm going to have an outlay of money so with all that said i i was a little like uh, like exhausted and sad but then i realized how brilliant for him to be able to tell me that because i would have gone out there i would have you know hired some people i would have started marketing it and advertising put a lot of money into it and lost that money right yeah.
0: And I think that that's so, exactly it. I mean, that seems to be, you know, what's worth it. I mean, sharing that right.
1: knowledge. And so now, of course, you can pull all of that up on internet if you want to. But <laughs> then you still Right. But you still have to sit down with somebody and help them walk you through it. Um, but so that that's just a little example and it still happens, you know. I'll have somebody say, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe I've got this real problem in my salon. What would, what would you do? Or have you ever had that problem? And say no or if say yes, then they want to know how you handled it. And I think that that, that just helps everybody uh, become a little bit more confident in running their business, working with their, their team members. Um, how do you deal with somebody that's um, uh, difficult and they're talented? You know, and listen, I, I had somebody that was making a ton of money pulling in six figures. And, you know, they were they were very they were the stirrer.
0: Yeah. And you
1: know what I mean? OK. And I was thinking, OK, um, I can't just let fire. Well, finally, I was telling somebody, I was going, oh, God, I get so tired of putting out these fires. They said, you need to fire. Go in and fire right around. I, awesome. I thought <laughs> you're like, what? Said, really? <laughs> so and I was thinking, but they bring in all this money and he said, well, if, if you're exhausted, how much is it worth to you not to be exhausted at the end of the day for putting out the fires? It's and so I said smart. a lot. <laughs> and so I really did. I let her go. And I mean, within three weeks and I'm not kidding. Three weeks. everybody was like, happy that were the business was almost doubling because i didn't lose any of the clientele because they wore she wore them out too wow and they said we love your slime we were just sort of you know a little feeling a little awkward to change so we're so glad she's gone because i've been wanting to go to to sally for a long time and so we didn't lose any money and everything changed and i still may have the same income so yeah. Sometimes you just see it and you just sort of don't even see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you know it, but you don't see it. And somebody says, what are you doing? You need to get rid of her. What is she doing? And it, and it was like, my goodness. And it, it, it was a chain, a game changer for me. Well, I
0: love that. And I think that, I mean, anytime that you start a new business or a new adventure, whatever it is, it's it's scary. And you do need those people that have kind of been through it, you know, to help, to help guide you and to help teach right. you what you don't know. Um, so having that seems like a super valuable resource. And especially like with you saying that, you know, you guys are together um, two times a year. And then, I mean, I'm sure in constant, constant communication, you know, in between those things. So I think that it sounds great. And I think that if there are people that are listening that are, um, you you know, know stylists that aren't salon owners yet and they're you know thinking that that's a route that they want to go I think that you know looking up in a coiffure um we'll get all the links um to tag and do everything when we post this but um I think that it's a good thing to look into and I think it's definitely a resource that a lot of people don't know is out there so I think it's really great to be able to share this and to kind of share your story with it so how long is your term
1: um three years I will have completed one year this coming um, December so I am in my what is this August right yeah so I'm, I'm heading oh, into my on, eighth yeah. month yeah I'm heading into my eighth month and um, it's been uh, how can I say uh, awakening yeah, <laughs> for me sure. uh, to know that there are so many people on the same page within the industry Uh, And I'm talking about from the school owners to um, the manufacturers to the marketing people and to the salon owners from if you have one salon or if you have 18 salons, you know, we basically have the same issues, especially with all the distractions now of Amazon and, um, you know, um, deregulation, all of that. It's going to affect all of us, but if we band together, we, it doesn't have to be a distraction or a negative. It could be a positive. We just are going to have to think of a better way to do it. And I think that if, if we really focus on what's the best for the industry, then the solutions are going to be better than ever. And our industry is going to grow really well. I think we flatlined for a little while because nobody was communicating, but now that we've got these major distractions or challenges and it's affecting everybody now everybody wants to get together and talk so i think that um the my viewpoint and my opinion of the industry is that you know give us a, about a year to get all this uh ironed out and i think next year and the next year it's going to be amazing i think the opportunities are going to be better and, and um, uh, stronger for all the new people coming into the industry. They don't have to just be behind the chair. There's going to be opportunities for them to do anything and everything with, that they want to do within the, com, uh, the probably umbrella of the industry. But there's going to be different ways they're going to be used. So I'm really excited about where we are right
0: now. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what you do. We'll have to definitely follow up and do a a follow up episode, and maybe around this time next year to um, to talk about your second year and to talk about you know what what you've done in that time. So as students, I think it's just so important to to know that there are things out there that exist in the industry um, because it's not always something that's talked about until later on. But I think it's so important for students to start researching this now. So one of the things that we always ask on the podcast is, what advice can you give to somebody that is in beauty school currently or somebody? that's thinking about coming into the industry
1: um make sure that you research it and that that's exactly what you want to do um know the industry that you're getting into like what are the responsibilities you you know uh your talent of doing hair is not as important as do you like people you know do you want to work in a team environment I mean, those are the things that you have to be realistic about to be successful. And then also choose your school wisely. Make sure that they want to be part of your life rather than just be your teacher. And then I think the next step would be make sure that you are introduced to some salons that will mentor you and to know that, that you're just starting your career. So you've got three to five years to really uh, hone it and refine it and then they become your partner to make you making a lot of money you know to to make $100,000 is pretty easy but you're not going to do it in less than five years you really aren't well right now right now now next year next year it might be different but right now you could easily be taken home and working 32 hours a a day a week um, to I mean that's That is um, accessible. You can do that if you have the right people to help you. Um, And you don't have to struggle by yourself. And then if you eventually want to be a salon owner, then you need to make sure that you get involved with all the organizations so that you can have people to help and mentor you there so that then you can turn around and mentor to everybody underneath you. It's just a big circle, right? Yes, and I love it. And like I said, I just think it's such a beautiful thing that you're doing. The one thing that I'm so excited and proud about intercorp right now is that um, we've become the nucleus. I mean, we're sort of in the center of uh, working with the schools and working with the manufacturers and working with the PR and working with the marketing and also being out there, uh, putting the word out to people who are thinking about coming into the industry. So we're marketing, you know, for the schools as well because, you know, we've got a lot of um, – strong salons, strong leaders, and uh, very influential into their their markets of their city. And so people now want to have their children become uh, in the beauty industry it's, where, you know, therefore while we didn't have that.
0: It's such a beautiful thing. And I actually was talking, um, I met with a, uh, a grandma and a granddaughter um, the other day. And she, the granddaughters, you know, wanting to come into the industry, And I asked the grandma, I was like, you know, um, how do you feel about her doing this? That's what I always ask parents, you know, like, how do you feel about this? And um, the grandma was like, you know, like, for a long time, I didn't want her to be in this industry. And then it was like such a selfish thing for me. Like, I just knew that I needed to share with her, like, how challenging it was going to be. It was like, I wanted better for her. Like, that's what she said. And I was like, better for her? This is the best industry in the world. Like, why? You know, but then the more that we got talking, she was like, it's... It's such hard work and I wanted you know you want something easier better um for your kids so they don't have to work as hard and I was like but that's that's life like if you're gonna you know say that you don't want her to have to work hard and she and the grandma was like that is the realization that I got to is that it didn't matter like this industry is incredible um it's even better now than it was you know and so the grandma really like recognized all that so I thought that was awesome I really loved that
1: I mean, I think the attitudes have changed, but you know what? You think about being a nurse, I mean, or a doctor, that's hard work too. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you're never at home. I mean, you've got life or death, and I mean, for the responsibility of life or death, a lot of times in your hands for that person, and you just have to detach yourself. We are just the opposite. Yeah. We are beauty people who touch, we have the right to touch somebody. and Give them comfort. Give them, you know, a positive attitude and be realistic with them saying, oh, you don't like that? Well, there's a better way we can do this. So we're sort of like, um, I think, problem solvers of how we feel. And I love it. I think that if people are coming into the industry really, really, that's what I'm saying. They need to be almost have a, a test to take before they come into school because maybe they don't want to touch somebody. You know, it's like. Um, people who work with children—if they don't like children—they don't need to be in a business where they have children in there. I you know.
0: know, I know. Uh, I if they don't like old people, the they don't need
1: to be a nurse. Yeah. So you—you got to know that you've got to like people. That's number one. Two, you've got to enjoy doing that artistic, and from that point on, whatever you do to make a living, it's going to be hard work. Um, It's—it doesn't have to be. Um, it can be hard work, but enjoyable. You know, I don't ever feel like I'm exhausted mentally when I come home. I might be exhausted from, you know, working, but I am not exhausted about, oh, God, I don't want to go back to work tomorrow. I hear a lot of people sit in my chair and they're going, I am so tired of my job, but I need the money. Very few hairdressers say that.
0: I, like, never hear it. I mean, I really, and the, and the people that I do hear it from are kind of the ones that I knew as students in school were, I mean, they were the same right. way in school. They just complained about everything, and I just think that it's, you know, it's so much, like, you get, it's instant gratification. Like, I yeah. started this podcast because I was like, I have so much that I want to tell students, but I only get to meet with them for 30 minutes. I want them to hear this. I want them to hear the good, the bad, the hard. Like, I want them to really be educated because I think that's going to make our industry better. If If we don't have a ton of dropouts in schools because people come into it thinking that it's the easy way out, just having no idea about what to expect. Like I feel like if they can have this resource, and you know, when I have somebody that's you know moving um, from out of state and coming to the school, I have a podcast of a student that did the same exact thing. So I want to I want them to know the challenges, the hardships, the loneliness, you know, that they might face before they make this decision. I don't ever want this decision of a career, this decision of beauty school to be, like, on a whim and to be this, like, oh, it's the easy way. Like, college was hard, so I'm going to do this. Like, that is not who's going to be successful in the industry. Like, at the end of the day, it's like, you're going to, if you make it through school, you maybe will make it through a year, and then you're going to quit. And
1: that doesn't help us. That doesn't help the industry. (laughs) You know, I read something the other day that when they said that when the students say school is so hard, they probably might not be in the right field.
0: Right, right exactly because
1: if it's hard and you dread it and you don't want to study then obviously you don't enjoy it right but if you're really into something and you you can't get it enough of it that's a passion and then you're going to be really good you might be dedicated they call that dedicated then right and and then if you're a dedicated doctor a dedicated attorney that means that you study all the time and you're constantly going to seminars and you're you're busy and you're working your butt off that's dedicated but for some unknown reason they don't call it dedicated in our business they call it oh i'm so sorry you're working so hard no no i'm not working hard I am dedicated to making everybody look good. So I think it's a different terminology and we need to really um, make sure that the students coming in know what they're getting into and that they have that little bit of passion that um, and desire and that the hard part is figuring out how they're going to, keep getting better and better and better
0: yeah that's I really, the hard part I really kind of I mean I don't judge them but I always ask you know as soon as we sit down in my office after we've done the tour you know I say so what you know made you decide to call us what made you decide to you know to reach out maybe do something in the beauty industry because you know I'm meeting for nails and aesthetics and all of that so I will ask that and usually you know I totally go off of their response you know if they're like oh well and they're being very quiet or very shy I make sure they know you know I'll say like Like, all right, well, so much of this is human interaction, talking to people. How do you feel about talking to people behind a chair for eight hours a day? Are you going to be able to keep a conversation going for eight hours a day? (laughs) You know, like, and that's, I mean, I don't, I don't, for us, I think it's different because it's not. A numbers game like i don't have like a goal of how many students um that's not something that we do um and i do think you know there are different there's corporate schools out there that are very just focused on get everyone and get them signed up first visit sign papers let's go and it's just i think that there's more to it and it's obviously a business you know it's a business as well so i get i get that part of it but it just i think that if we can all be more honest and open about the industry like it's going to get better
1: Yes. I mean it it's already a great industry. Yeah. And and you know, and you think about all the opportunities that you have and how much money you can make in it, uh, for the rest of your life and the opportunities that we have from the clientele that open doors for us. Yep, you know I, know, I can't tell you the number of people that I've done their hair, and they've opened a door for me to do something else. Yeah. not in the business, but to make it better. Yeah, you know, great advice. And um, you know, I always tell it. Well, one of my clients years ago, the f- when before we were, started getting so many swans, and they they said Sheila, you know what? This is what you need to do. You need to make sure that you got always, always. You don't need a husband to be successful. You don't need, you know. Uh, anybody other than an attorney, a banker, and a, CPA, a good CPA. you all got to always have those three people. And if you will have those people that will be your advisors, then just go to the other people that have signs just to get their idea, but go back to them and let them help you with it. And you know what? That was the best piece of life. And this guy is like a billionaire now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh
0: my so every time
1: I see him, I'm going, do you know – how important you are in my life that oh. you told me that and he was going no he said i don't remember telling you that that's <laughs> oh what oh you did <laughs> i mean i was you know i was young and you know thinking i could own the world and he just set me down and said girl before you start you know going all this you better make sure you got three strong people on your in your corner and I think that's such great
0: advice. And look at it. Yeah. Look at where you are. Like that's what I just can't get over. Like it's just it's so good to see somebody that's so great and like good-hearted. That's you know that's at the top and it's really trying to make a difference. Like what a
1: what a ride. Well, it is fun, and that's that's probably the most gratifying at night when you lay down and you're thinking about the people that you just seeing a light click in their their head when they're somebody and you're thinking okay they got that from that class that yeah. we did or you know or they get a brand new car or they get, get a, a bigger house I am so proud of them and I'm going oh my god and then to know that they still can maintain that and keep growing and not work you know a 100 hours not that that's bad but I'm just saying they don't have to to maintain that where a lot of people do they have to put a lot of hours in you know Uh, to make a living and we really don't if we are um, mentored correctly
0: yeah no I agree so thank you so much for being with us today thank you to our sponsor tennessee school of beauty you can visit them at www.tennesseschoolbeauty.com you can follow them at tn school of beauty on instagram and facebook don't forget to follow me at beauty school bobby and visit our website www.beautyschoolbobby.com where you can listen to all of our episodes thank you guys so much for listening until next time bye